Worship team, if you can make your way to the stage, please. But you don't know, but you don't know And you'll never have peace if you don't let go of tomorrow Cause it ain't even fake till your plan falls apart But you still choose to follow If it doesn't make sense right now And well, when it's over There will be joy in the morning Joy in the morning. 
It's like drowning in the shallows. Oh, you gotta keep believing, even in the middle of the unknown. Cause grace will be there when you come to the end of your rope and you let go. It may feel like you're going down now, but the story isn't over. Check, check. church if we can make our way back to our seats so we can step into the presence of God this morning. And as the crowd is still coming in, if we can make our way back to our seats. Hey guys, good morning. If you want to make your way back to your seats, let's go ahead and grab our seats. Got a couple quick announcements. And if you are talking, you will miss what's going on. You might miss your miracle. Hey, I first of all, before I go forward, I want to give everybody a huge thank you and shout out that helped out 
with the festival of the churches. Everybody who worked and, and labored and helped out uh, in any way, even if you stopped by and just said hi and supported what we were doing. I, I heard it was a beautiful day. Sorry that I could not be there. Um, but I know that, that Bo and Tay lit it up and uh, represented for New Hope and represented most of all for Jesus. So uh, proud of them and proud of you guys and proud of what we were able to do uh, next year. We definitely will come back bigger and better uh, next year. Um, also, of course, Monday night is our Celebrate Recovery. And it's at 7 o'clock. Anybody with a hang-up, hurt, or habit, any type of life-controlling issue, uh, you are welcome there. It's a safe place where you can share, come, and, and find support. And it's a place where really, you know, it's, it's okay to not be okay. And sometimes we need that um, in our life. Of course, Wednesday night is our Bible study. And I don't want to forget about Tuesday night is the women's Bible study, Women of Faith. And that's at 2922 Dust Avenue uh, at Sands Daycare. So uh, if you're a woman and you are looking for a place to fellowship and get built up in the Lord, that's a good place for you to be at. Also, uh, we did have, um, we had a caricature class that was sort of a fundraiser. We are going to go ahead and cancel that. Uh, so if you were going to sign up, if you were waiting to sign up for that. Um, that's just kind of a, a fun thing. And we have this guy named Brian and he wanted to see if some people would be interested in doing that. We're gonna cancel that. So um, that's kind of off the map. And don't forget this Friday will be our first Friday service. So uh, this Friday, every first Friday of the month, we have a service here. And so we will be having a service this Friday night at seven o'clock. So uh, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Nancy. We have a little special thing that we're going to do today. Thank you for uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, when we did the feast of uh, the festival of the churches yesterday, it happened to coincide with uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. And if you've been coming here for a while, you know that every year we build a sukkah out front and decorate it, and I do a little teaching on it. Well, yesterday we built the sukkah at uh, the, the uh, park, and it was an absolutely wonderful day. So for those of you who were able to come, uh, thank you for coming. And today, uh, well... The Feast of Tabernacles is a seven-day event, and in Israel, uh, the International Christian Embassy of Jerusalem holds the festival for seven days. And one of the things that they do is they have a roll call of the nations. And so that's what I would like to do because God wanted me to bring a taste of Israel here to America, to Ambridge. And so... Uh, I talked to, I tried to talk to everybody in the church to find out what nations we're from. So I'm going to do a roll call of the nations that belong to our church and the flags that I gave, if I call your nation, raise it up. And there's a couple nations that I didn't get and one was Bahamas and Africa. So just raise your hands when I, just to worship God. So I'm going to do the roll call of the nations and when you hear your nation, just raise your flag 
and wave it, and then we'll go on to the service. Carpathia Rusin, Cherokee, Czechoslovakia, El Salvador, England, France, Germany, Greece, Hungary, Ireland, Israel, Italy, Mohican, Philippines, Poland, Russia, Scotland, Slovakia, Spain, Sweden, Ukraine, the United States of America, and Wales. stand to give our Father honor this morning.
will never fail, he will never fail. No, he won't. No, he won't.
trusted. That's why I trusted. I saw the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. I saw the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. I saw the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. That's why I trusted. That's why I trusted God. I said.
so great, so great.
for this service, Lord. I thank you for this team, Father. I thank you for this family that we have here, Lord. Father, as we get ready to step into your message, Father, clear our minds and clear our hearts so that we can be gained and filled by you, Lord. Father, let us realize that we are nothing without you. We are worthless without you, Father. So, Father, let us clear our minds and come empty to this service, Lord, so that we can gain you and be completed by you. So, Father, I put a special blessing upon the kids this morning as they get ready to hear your word and learn your word, Lord. Fill them up with your love and your joy, Father, so they can seek you and see you, Lord. Father, give these teachers the strength to preach and teach your word, Lord, and allow them to realize that we are doing this for you and only you, Lord, for your kingdom, so that your kingdom can be filled, glorified, and magnified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You guys may be seated. Before we get into today's message, I want to take the offering and you just give me a, a few minutes here to kind of teach on something. And I know that sometimes people have a knee-jerk reaction when we talk about money. There they go, talking about money again in the church. But I really feel that God spoke to me and said that he wants to break poverty off the church. He wants to break that off the church once and for all. And how many of you know that you can wage spiritual warfare through your finances? One person, Sherry, thank you. That's why it's good to have a good wife, because when nobody else wants to amen you, your wife is there to give you a shout. There's two reasons why the enemy, has anybody in here ever had their finances attacked? Anybody? All right, couple people. All right, we're going to get you guys involved one way or another. Anybody in here breathing? All right, everybody's hand should go up on that one. Some guys that didn't raise their hand, ushers, maybe you want to check on them. There, there's two reasons really why the enemy wants to attack your finances. Number one is he wants to get you in lack and he wants to build, you know, doubt that, you know, that, that we have a good father, that we have a provider. Wants to build doubt in that area. The other reason is because he wants to stop the work of God from going forward. So if I have my finances attack, usually the first line of defense is, you know what, well, I'm going to cut off giving to the church. And when you cut off giving, you cut off the work of the ministry that happens through the church. There's projects that we want to do that we want to get done. For example, we want to redo our parking lot out there. We want to expand it, build a wall, build everything across. We don't have the money to do that. The reason we want to do that is to make more room so more people can hear the word, more people can get saved, right? We can fill this church, build our community, build the spiritual gifts, but that project is on pause because we don't have the finances, right? We want to expand other ministries, youth ministries, 
God wants to expand everything like that, but if we don't have the finances to do it, then we can't do it. I want to read a a passage of scripture, Malachi chapter 3 verse 8, it says, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So a lot of us are, we kind of get things backwards. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything will be added to you. The problem is, is that most of us seek the things of the world first, and then the kingdom second. For example, I've seen a lot of people, you get an offer for a job. And that job is in a different state. It's in a different town where you won't be able to come to church. The decision is made, well, how much does the job pay? What's the benefit package? What does it have? And you don't think that, okay, what's it going to do to my family to pull myself out of this church? What's it gonna, is there a good church there? Is there a place where I can serve? What is God saying in this season? And so we get it backwards and then we say, well, once I get enough money... XYZ, then I'll begin giving. But the Bible says that when you're faithful with little, then you'll be faithful with much. And so if I'm not faithful with the dollar I have, then I'm not going to be faithful with the million dollars that I have, or the hundred thousand, or the ten dollars, whatever it is. And so God wants you to take your finances and say, I'm going to put the kingdom first. I'm going to give a tithe my first, my best, I'm going to give that to the Lord and I'm going to put his kingdom first and I'm going to believe that through that, that's going to activate a blessing of the Lord. How many of you want the blessing of the Lord on your finances? Amen. Well, God's way to get your blessing on the finances is through the tithe. So when the enemy attacks and says, you know what, you're not going to be able to pay your bills. You're not going to have enough. If you, st- if you give to that church, your lights are going to be shut off, right? That's all the mind of the enemy. And really, we should be saying, you know what? No. This book says that if I give my tithes, that God will open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing so big that I won't be able to receive it. In other words, there'll be enough for me, my family, my neighbors, the people out there to need it. God will make me an instrument of blessing in my community, in my family, and in the world. And that's what God wants to do. He wants you to not have needs, but to be a person that meets other people's needs. Amen. So when the enemy comes in and attacks, we say no. The word says that he will open up a window of heaven. He'll pour out a blessing. He'll multiply that seed that he will rebuke you, Satan, from my finances from my life, from my family, from attacking my finances, that there'll be a hedge of protection that God will actually put around my finances and that he'll multiply. So you have to make your mind up whether you want to listen to the voice of fear 
or you want to listen to God's word. And that's spiritual warfare in a nutshell in every area. But in your finances, you got to make, you got to say, no, I'm going to believe the word of God. I'm going to put my faith in what the word says. It says that he gives seed to the sower. So whatever he gives me, I'm going to take a portion of that. I'm going to sow it and I'm going to, by faith, Believe in the word that says that that seed will be multiplied so that I'll have an abundance for every good work. So I just want to challenge you today. If you're in a place where you're struggling, where you're in financial lack, the word says, test me in this. That's not me saying it. That's God saying it. That's the only place where he says, try me. He doesn't say, you know what, try me and and see if, you know, that, that if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, try me and see if I won't throw you in hell, right? It doesn't, it doesn't say that. It says, test me in your finances. Why? Because that's a tangible way that God can see where our heart is. That if we truly test him, our faith is in the word. It's not in our finances. The faith is in the word, but we take a step of faith. We put it in action when we decide to give our first and our best, put the kingdom of God first, and believe that God will bless our finances in every way. Amen? So if you just want to lift your hands with me today. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. And your word says that you've given us authority over serpents and snakes and over all powers of the enemy. Your word also says that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And we Find Satan, any attacks of the enemy off of the finances of the family of God here today. We bind every attack of the devil on the financial work, any kind of finances that we have. We bind it in the name of Jesus, Lord. And we trust you today, according to your word, that everything that we give will be multiplied, that you will multiply that, that you will protect our finances, that you will pour out a blessing, and that you will break the spirit of poverty over me, over my family, over this church, once and for all, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. The guys will go ahead and make their way around. If you want to give electronically, there's ways to do that on the screen and also in your bulletin. And I hope you guys are ready for the word of God. If not, I just prepared a message for nothing. So we've been talking about the Beatitudes. My uh, message has been the pursuit of happiness. And if you look at the life and ministry of Jesus, Jesus comes upon the scene. He's baptized in the River Jordan, first by water, and then the Spirit comes down. And, and so the Spirit descends on him, rests on him like a dove. John shouts out, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of this world, identifying Him as the promised Messiah that was promised through the Old Covenant. And then the Spirit leads Him into the wilderness where He's tempted for 40 days. He picks His disciples. And then after that, He leads a group of people up upon a high mountain, something we call the Sermon on the Mount, the thing that is depicted in this painting. And, and he goes up to a mountain to begin to teach them about the new covenant, or as we refer to it, 
the kingdom of God. If you think about it, Moses received the, the, the law, he received the Ten Commandments up on a high mountain. Now Jesus, as the fulfillment of the greater Moses, as the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, also goes to a mountain and, and brings the gospel of the kingdom to the people. And this message begins with a, a, a series of phrases called the Beatitudes. And so we've been here for about eight weeks, and we're on the last, uh, last week, and it ties into the first beatitude, and they kind of form these bookends over all of the beatitudes. They both have the same promise. Theirs is the kingdom of God, or some translations say the kingdom of heaven. They're, they're interchangeable. And so we enter in, in the Beatitudes, we enter in that, that blessed are those who are poor in spirit. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So the, the first thing that you do is you acknowledge your need for a Savior. You acknowledge your need for Jesus. That's your entryway into the kingdom. And as you walk with Jesus, you realize that you need Jesus for every part of your life. You need them for your family. You need them for your finances. You need them to raise children. You need them at your job, right? You need Jesus for every part of your life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And then you go through the other Beatitudes. I don't have time this morning to uh, review all of them. But essentially, these are attitudes that we have as followers of Jesus, be attitudes. They're attitudes that are part of our being, right? They make us to be like Jesus. That is the ultimate plan of God to conform us into the image of His Son. And as we're conformed to the image of His Son, then that means that we are different than the rest of the world. And that leads us to this final beatitude that we're going to unpack today. So if you have your Bibles with you and you want to read with me, we're going to be in Matthew 5, verse 9. And it says this, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you, because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in you, the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's bow our heads and pray for uh, today's message. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you lead and guide us into all truth. So Lord, help us to walk in the truth of your word today. Help me to speak truth. I pray that I would be filled right now with the Holy Spirit, that the true teacher, the true preacher would show up. I pray that, that my spirit would decrease, that the Holy Spirit would increase. And I pray that the word would go forth and do exactly what you would uh, have it do today in this service, in the name of Jesus, amen. So when I 
first became a Christian, I thought everybody would be happy. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't always the best guy. I'm not saying I'm the best guy now. But I was kind of, you know, um, you know, really bad back then. I mean, I, I did a lot of things that I'm not proud of. I shared my testimony many times. And um, even when my wife started going to church, I really didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't understand it. I kind of had an understanding maybe of religion. But I didn't really understand a relationship with Christ or being born again. And, and um, you know, I, I went to Sherry's baptism at New Hope Church. And I got saved, gave my life to the Lord. And, man, I thought everybody would be so happy. Some people thought that I got involved in a cult, right? Would you join a cult? Oh, here we go. You're one of those weirdos, right? Now it'd be... You're going, to be, you're going to one of those churches, right? That's why we, that's why we put up those, those shirts. You know, I go to that church. Because people in this town, they'd ask them, well, where do you go to church at? Well, I go to New Hope. Oh, you go to that church. Oh. So, of course, we made a joke out of it and just embraced it and said, yeah, we're, we're that church. But, but I can remember that, you know, my old friends, they weren't all that happy that now I gave my life to Jesus. They lost their partner that they could go score drugs with. They lost their partner that they could go out to the bar with. They lost their partner that they could go get into fights with. Whatever it may be. And it's like, oh, well, now you think you're better than us. Now you found Jesus. Now you go to church. Now you're, okay, all right, well, we'll see how long that lasts. Not everybody was happy. I've had people tell me, well, you know, you know, you were, you were doing a lot of drugs, so sometimes people that are on drugs and alcohol, they need a crutch. So I guess, you know, you found your crutch, you know. Just, I, I was met by a lot of sarcasm, but, but I knew it was the truth. I was just surprised. I thought that people would think that it was better that I found the Lord and I was bettering my life. But instead, people kind of, you know, were, were down on it. And then I... I began coming to church. I had to separate myself from, from, from people. And then we decided that we were going to open up a men's recovery home, which I thought everybody would be happy about. You know, there's a lot of people that drug addictions hurting a lot of families. A lot of people are hurting. There's, you know, it, it's honestly like, I'm going to be honest with you, 30 days in rehab really has not ever got anybody clean ever. But that's the, that's the way that we get people clean in America. So we, we wanted a, a long-term solution, kind of an aftercare, uh, something that, that people could come in a safe, secure environment, be discipled. And the idea was to help them grow spiritually and, and get sober and get off drugs. And I thought everybody would be happy until I got a phone call that I was supposed to report down to the Ambridge Borough Building to talk to the safety committee. And they wanted to know exactly what we were doing and why I was trying to bring a negative element to Ambridge, which I responded, have you looked down your street? They're already here. And I'm not here saying I have the only solution, but if you have a solution to help people, I'm, I'm happy to hear it. And if you don't understand the way that a relationship with Jesus Christ helps somebody, then I don't know how I'm going to make you understand that. 
And it was a public outcry. People came from, there was a borough council meeting. People could not even fit in the borough council chambers. They were out in the hall. It was like back in the day when the mob would come with like after somebody with like torches and pitchforks. Like that's what I felt like because I was called to speak at the borough council meeting and every accusation was, was thrown at us that, that I've ever heard. They said that we were only doing it to get money, that we were getting money from the state prison program. I've ran that men's home on a bare bones budget. I promise you that. And I'm not proud of that, but I'm saying that we've never taken a penny of government money for that, that men's home. But they said, you know what, it's, it's a government program and, and they're getting money because we had the prison chaplain spoke up for us. And all he was saying is there's no aftercare anywhere. This is a good thing. We brought him in as an expert to speak about it. Then they said... Well, you're part of that Westboro Baptist Church, the people that uh, hold up signs at soldiers' funerals that says, God hates fags. I said, I'm a veteran myself. I've never even, I don't even know. Number one, I, I don't think that that's a good representation of a Baptist church, but they were Westboro Baptist Church. We're not a Baptist church. I have, but people just were making stuff up. The guy who was running the home, he was, he was from, his, his family was from Guatemala. He was born in America, but he was from Guatemala. They're going to house illegal aliens there. Front page news of the paper, every negative thing from what I thought would be a good thing. Something that I thought was, was helping people, lifting up the name of Jesus. And then sometimes people, because of the, the, the reputation that we got through the whole men's home, by the way, you know, God will use your enemies to promote you. And I can tell you that I had a lot of trouble even getting, no, like, even letting anybody know that there was a church here. But once it got on the front page of the paper, and that was back when people actually read the newspaper, that, you know, all of a sudden, New Hope was on the map. But because of that, you know, people would get invited, hey, you should come to church with me. Well, I don't know if I should go to church. That's just a church for a bunch of addicts. They have any, anybody can go in that church. People off the street, people that are on drugs. And it kind of got this, this stigma for the church. But, but I'm reminded in that, because I was like, yeah, we're, we're open to everybody. Jesus loves everybody. Everybody needs Jesus. The alcoholic needs Jesus. The drug addict needs Jesus. The homosexual needs Jesus. They all need Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. And we were always open to, to everybody, but we sort of got this, this reputation. But, but I was reminded that, you know what? Jesus said, the student's not greater than the teacher. They called Jesus the prince of demons. They said that he was wrong because he sat with prostitutes and tax collectors and, and notorious sinners. And, and if they persecuted him, then they're going to persecute me too if I follow his path. They called Jesus a wine-bibber. They, they said he was an unholy man. 
But I'd rather side with Jesus than side with the world. And I'm not here to play a religious game or, or, or we can all put our, our best clothes on and act like we're totally perfect. I'm here to help people. And I'm here to be real. And even during COVID when, when a lot of churches closed, we, we closed for six weeks and then we opened back up. And I didn't do it as a political stunt or, or, or out of desperation. I saw what the fear and the isolation was doing to people. I had to pastor funerals because people were scared and, and there was no AANA meetings, there was no church meetings, everybody, and, and alcoholism was increasing, people were overdosing on drugs. Look at 2020, the amount of overdoses, how it, how it ramped up. And so I said, you know what, I'm not doing this more, I, I'm opening up church, and, and I never... I never criticized anybody. I just said, hey, whatever your, wherever your faith leads you, if you're, if you're scared of, of coming to church and being around people right now, then stay home. Watch online. But if you want to gather and you want to pray together, then that's what we're going to do. And I had people message me, tell me stuff. Oh, you're going to have one of them super spreader. You're going to be one of them super spreaders. You're going to kill my grandma. All this criticism, all why? Because I just was doing what God told me to do. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as some do. And I said that, okay, yeah, we have a pandemic, but look at what it's doing to people's mental health. Look at what it's doing for people who are addicts. Look at what it's doing for people who are isolated and lonely at home. Look at what it's doing to them. And we're reaping what we sowed because we have this mental health pandemic that's totally out of control and not enough facilities to help people. But we were persecuted. And, and here's the thing. Some of you guys hear the word blessed and you're like, yeah, I want to be blessed. I want to get a new car. I want to get a new house. I'm going to get married. I'm going to get lots of money. But Jesus said that you know that you are blessed when they talk about you and they say all kind of evil about you for his name's sake. Listen, that's Jesus' definition of blessing. The way of Jesus is totally opposite of the world. And when you live like Jesus, there's going to be people that don't like you, not because you do something wrong, because you do something right. And the Holy Spirit that is inside of you agitates their demons. You know, try to be the only one at the party that isn't drinking. Be the only one with your friends who are on drugs and be the only one who chooses not to do drugs. Be the one at work who actually shows up when they say they're going to show up and actually works. And people will persecute you for righteousness sake because the spirit of Jesus is opposite the spirit of the world. But notice it says that blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. 
not because you're being a jerk. There's a lot of people that do a lot of things in the name of the Lord that are just being arrogant and being jerks. And people persecute them, not for Christ's sake, but because they're ignorant. It's not persecution if you're not doing something in Jesus' name. You can't call that persecution. So we need to understand that he says that blessed are you when they say things about you for my name's sake. If you desire to have God raise you up into an elevated position, understand that the higher that God raises you, the easier of a target that it makes you for other people and the enemy. If you want to be raised up, you better get thicker skin. And, and you better be willing to stand for Jesus because the higher that God raises you up, the more blessed that, that, that you become, the more that you will be attacked and the more that you will be persecuted. Bobby Hogan says there's a great way to have nobody ever come against you or talk about you. Don't ever get any new clothes. Don't ever get married. Don't ever get a new car. Don't ever get a nice house. And guess what? Everybody will love you. But when God begins to raise you up, when he begins to put his hand on you, when he begins to elevate you and give you a ministry and a platform, guess what? That's when the fiery darts begin to come out. That's when they begin to tap. So, you know, my question is you, if you want to be blessed, can you stand to be blessed? There, there was a story about Jesus and, and he encounters this man, they call him the rich young ruler and it's pretty well known and, and essentially this man says, you know, he wants to follow Jesus, he wants to go to heaven. Jesus tells him, well go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. And the man, you know, says, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. He, he walks away because he had many possessions. He had a lot of riches. And then Peter talks to Jesus and said, you know, we've left everything to follow you. Jesus said, you know, there's nobody that, that has left their homes, that has, has left stuff, that, that won't be rewarded a hundred times in this life and the next with persecution." So you have to understand that the blessings of God and walking in the power of God comes with persecution. And so today we're going to read a, a lengthy passage of scripture that talks about how the early church handled persecution. Did you guys know that every single apostle except for John actually died a martyr's death? Did you guys know that? There's a book back there called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And we have it on the back table. And this talks about all the people in the church. Uh, it, well, it's not all the people, but um, up to, it's, it's a lot of old writings. But it talks about people that were martyred in the church. And I challenge you to read that and ask yourself, if, is this the Christianity that I'm living today? Because a lot of people want to be aligned with the world. They want to be loved by the world. And they're not worried about what they look like with Jesus. And so those books are back there. They're on the back table. 
I put a sign up. Somebody donated them to us uh, for any donation, whatever you have, whatever you feel like giving. There's a basket. You can grab a book on your way out if you want. And I encourage you to begin reading that and see how the early church lived and see what Jesus really meant to them. Now, th this passage of Scripture, it's Acts chapter 5. That's where we're going to be, uh, beginning at verse 17. And, and it's going to be lengthy, but I need you to hang in there with me. Because when we get to the end of this, we're going to take off like a rocket. Amen? So go ahead and elbow, your, elbow the person next to you and tell them to wake up and tell them it's about to get good. Go ahead and elbow them. Give them a, give them a good bow. Tell them, you know what, it, it, this is about to get good. Acts chapter 5, verse 17, if you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say oh my. Give you guys a minute. Verse 17, the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is a sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. They laid their hands on the apostles and they put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple, speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with the elders of the ch children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, and the guards standing outside before the doors. And when we opened them, we found no one inside. And when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence. For they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. So the, the disciples are preaching. They're, they're thrown in jail. And as they're in jail, an angel is dispatched, sets them free from the prison, and tell them, go back to the exact same place that you were preaching at before. Go back to the exact same place that they grabbed you and put you in prison and, and, and preach the word of God. And, and now, the people that arrested them before, they see that there's a group of people gathered. God has given them influence, and there's a big group of people. So they don't want to arrest them by force because now the influence that God has given them is enough that if they try to lay hands on these guys and take them violently, then the whole crowd might go and overtake them. So you see, things have begin to, to flip a little bit. Let's go to verse 27. When they had brought them, 
they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you to teach in his name? And look, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and you intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Say this with me. Say, I obey God and not man. They said, we need to obey God and, and not man. In other words, if man's laws tell us to do something that God's laws said that we're supposed to do, and they say, well, you know what, you can't do that, then we need to obey God's laws. You need to shut down your church. Bible says don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I guess I'm staying open. Amen. Amen. We must obey God rather than human beings. Verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered. That's some bold preaching. By hanging him on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit to whom God has given to those who obey him. So they have this encounter and they're like, look, we have to obey God. And by the way, you guys killed Jesus, just so you know. Let's go to verse 33. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people, and he commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thaddeus rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined them. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is, but if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. When you are in alignment with God's purposes for your life, when people fight against you, they're not fighting against you. They're fighting against God. That's why it says leave vengeance, right? I don't ha I can, I'm supposed to pray for my enemies, not, not, not attack them back because they're not coming against me. They're actually fighting with God. And good luck with that. And he, he's naming these people. This guy tried to do a movement. It came to nothing. These guys tried to do a movement. It came to nothing. And if this is of God, 
and you oppose it, you're going to be opposing God. And guess what? We are here today because of those men today. I guess this move was of God. Verse 40. And they agreed with him. And when they called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple, in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They rejoiced to count it worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. We live in a day where the church wants to be accepted by the world. They live in a day where if they were disgraced, they, they, they rejoiced about it. Because they knew that preaching the name of Jesus went against the whole world system. And if people came against them, that they were coming against Jesus. In other words, they were on the right track. And it says this, even though they were warned to stop, they never stopped teaching. They never stopped preaching the gospel. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, never stop preaching the gospel. Go ahead and tell them right now. Tell them, never stop preaching the gospel. Your boss may tell you, well, you can't talk about Jesus at work. You can't pray with people at work. You can't go in a public place and talk about Jesus. Never stop teaching and never stop preaching His Word. What is the point of persecution? Here's the point of persecution. Persecution is designed to knock you off course for God's plan in your life. Persecution is designed by the enemy to put you off course for God's plan in your life. And so when they got persecuted, they said, we're going to go right back to the place where you were persecuting us and we're going to teach again. In other words, when the enemy attacked them for preaching and teaching God's word, they knew that they were on track with what God wanted them to do because they stirred up an attack of the enemy. So whatever you're getting persecuted about, when it involves Jesus, you know you're getting on the right track and what you need to do is push even harder in that direction because the enemy has been alerted that you are on to God's plan for your life and you're about to do damage to his kingdom. So when they tell you to quit talking about Jesus, you need to talk about Jesus even more. When, when they tell you that to quit praying for healing for the sick and that stuff isn't for today, you need to pray for the sick even more. When they tell you that you're praying too much, you need to pray more. When they say that you're loving broken people too much, you need to love them more. Wherever area that the enemy is attacking of your life that has to do with your faith, it's because the enemy is trying to intimidate you and get you off course. What did they have? The only th they told them, you know what, we forbid you to quit preaching. They said, well, I'm going to keep preaching. Why? It was fear. They beat them and they told them to quit. It was fear and it was intimidation to stop 
them from what God called them to do. And there's an old, there was an old saying, like if you look at World War II, the old fighter planes, they didn't have GPS in the 40s. They actually had uh, some uh, things in their plane that, that, that they, would, they would be able to know which way to fly according to the sun, the moon, and the stars. And they had ways to, to navigate and they would have a, a map and, and they'd have some other crude instruments. But when they were going on bombing raids, they, they had to find out where the, enemy, uh, where the enemy base was at. They knew when they were getting over the target when the anti-aircraft fire got the strongest. Let me say that again because I think some of you missed that. They knew that they were over the target when the enemy's attacks got the strongest. When they began to get anti-aircraft fire at their plane, they said, you know what, we're right over the target. Now it's time to drop the bomb. You guys still ain't getting it. Somebody should have shouted or ran or did something. I'm preaching better than your amen. Here, let me put it like this. The appearance of an enemy in your life is a prophetic sign that you are walking into God's path for your life and you're about to get promoted. That is the appearance of enemy opposition. And, and, and some of you have been getting attacked. People have been talking about you. People have been plotting on you. People have been coming against you. But I can tell you that Jesus said, blessed are you who are persecuted and, and, you're, being, and you're being attacked not because you're doing wrong, but you are approaching your day of breakthrough. And the attack only increased because your breakthrough is so close. And the stronghold of the enemy is about to come down in Jesus' name. Goliath laughed at David and said, who am I, a dog, that you come at me with, with, with a stick and you send this boy? He said, you come at me with sword and spear, but I come at you in the name of the Almighty God, and I'm about to bring you down, and I'm about to chop off your head in the name of my God. So don't you quit. Don't you back down when people insult you. Don't you back down when people attack your name and falsely say things about you. You need to push even harder. You need to stay even more faithful. You need to stay on the path for, for God's plan for your life and every enemy in your life will be defeated in Jesus' name. And if you read ahead in this Bible and you read the book of Revelation, you know what this, the church will face in the last days. You know what Christians will face in the last days. And I know that a lot of people think that we're going to be gone, that we're going to be raptured out here during the reign of the Antichrist, and we won't see the mark of the beast, and we won't see the, the beast system, even though the Bible says that, that the beast will make war with the saints and overcome them. But I'm telling you that, that you better be ready to stand in these last days. You better be rooted and grounded in the things of God. Because being a Christian... It is unpopular in some circles of the world today. Try being a Christian in New York City. Where less than 
5% of the people go to church in a city of 10 million people. Try being a Christian in Hollywood today. Try being a, a Christian on most college campuses today. And as unpopular as it in certain circles, it says that in the last days, persecution will increase against the true church. It says that false Christ, false prophets will arise. That a lot of people will be deceived. It said that lawlessness will arise. Lawlessness is, in, is here. Look at our city streets. They're lawless. Anybody who came with me to Los Angeles can tell you, totally lawless. People just popping up tents on the street, taking craps out in the street, doing drugs right out in the street, beating people, stabbing people, just total lawlessness. But that lawlessness will increase. It says that even family members will rise up against one another and that there's going to be a great apostasy that is this pressure ratchets, ratchets up that there's going to be a great falling away. Like Marcus Rogers calls these gummy bear Christians, right? All the Christians that are just sitting around and they're just interested in five steps to a better smile and they're just interested in how God's going to get them a new car and a new house and, and, and all that. They're going to fall away and there's going to be a great falling away in the last days. And it says that there's going to be a mark of the beast that, that you're going to get, that you're going to get something on your hand or in your forehead and you're not going to be allowed to buy, sell, or trade in the last days. And just ask yourself, why is there warnings to get the mark of the beast if the church isn't going to be here to receive the mark of the beast? Just a question for you. But, but you're going to have to, in those days, you're going to have to learn to depend on God. So when we teach about depending on God for your finances and, and tithing and giving to the church, listen, if you can't depend on God to provide for you by just tithing, you're definitely not going to be able to depend on God to provide for you when you can't buy, sell, or trade. But the Bible says, be faithful until death, and you will receive the crown of life. That this life is short, and eternity is long. And if the end times come on us very sudden, and come on us very quick, and somebody tells you, you know what, if you don't recant the name of Jesus, I'm going to kill you. It's only going to last for a minute. And then you're going to be in heaven with the Lord. With the victor's crown. Amen? Amen. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity to accept Jesus as the Lord of your life. Life is hard. I don't know how people live without God. But you will not go into heaven without the Lord. Without Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't got to figure it all out today. You just got to say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. You need to have a time. You need to have a place. 
before I close, I don't want to assume that every one of us is, is Christians because we are living in the last days. If the last days were started on the day of Pentecost, we are on the last of the last days. And I don't want you to face what's coming without Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if you're here today, the Bible is clear that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. That is eternal separation from God in eternity. But Jesus came down, lived a life that we could never live, died the death that we should have died, and when we put our faith in him, our sins are forgiven, and we are giving the gift of eternal life. If you would like to receive that gift today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just need you to stick a hand up to heaven and say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life today. Amen. God sees your hand. He knows your heart. Anyone else today? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Sister, could you step out, please? Just step out really quick. Just step out and just come up. Could we give her a round of applause as she makes her way forward? So glad you came. Amen. I just want to pray with you today. And we're going to pray something. And it's just called the sinner's prayer, right? It's not a magic formula. But if you pray it with faith, it has all the power to take you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you in the kingdom. Just repeat after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I'm sorry for the way I've lived. The things I've done. I'm a sinner, but you're my savior. But I believe you died in my place for my sins. Send the Holy Spirit to live within me and change me. And I'll follow you for all of my days and today I confess that I'm saved that I'm forgiven that I'm born again in Jesus name amen what's your name what is it there's a there's a party that kicked off in heaven with your name on it amen give me a hug welcome to the family if you want to give her a hug and welcome her to the family of God Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And if we could all stand to our feet. Amen. Amen. Praise be to the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship Him. Some of you guys are so close to a breakthrough. You're so close. And you've allowed the attacks of the enemy to discourage you, to make you tired, to beat you down. And I'm telling you, keep pushing forward. Keep pushing forward because victory is coming. Victory is ours. Victory is ours in every area of your life. Amen. I just want faith to arise right now. I want faith to arise. Just allow faith to go in every area of your life. If you need healing, believe God to heal your body. If you need, uh, if you need whatever you need in your life, just a, if you need finances, just believe God for all the finances that you need. If you're here to start a business, believe God to open that door for you. 
you need a new job, allow God to open the doors for a new job. Just allow your faith to go crazy in every area of your life. And praise Him like it already happened. Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this end time church. Lord, I thank you that there are no gummy bear Christians in here. Amen. That you're raising up an army of brothers and sisters in Christ who will not back down from the call in Jesus' name. Let's worship them this morning.
If I could have every hand raised to the glory realm, raise every hand to heaven. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Until we meet again, may the blessing and the favor of our Lord Jesus Christ rest upon you and your house. And if I have any victorious Christians in here, I need an amen like the sound of thunder in this house today. Yeah, come on. God bless you. Go give them heaven.